0: Hi, it's Laurence Bradford. Welcome to season two of the Learn to Code With Me podcast, where I'm chatting with people who taught themselves how to code and are now doing amazing things with their newly found skills. Flatiron School offers an online web developer program with a focus on community, actual development tools, and a curriculum that will teach you the skills you need to land a career as a developer. Get $500 off your first month by visiting flatironbootcampprep.com. Hey listeners, welcome back to the first episode of season two for the Learn to Code With Me podcast. I'm your host, Laurence Bradford. In today's episode, I talk with Brianna Swift. Brianna is a former elementary school music teacher turned trainer at GitHub. Brianna is entirely self-taught. In our conversation, we dive into how she taught herself how to code, plus the steps she went through to get a new job in tech. If you're looking to make a career transition, this episode is for you. Remember, you can get the show notes for this episode, plus a full transcript at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. Enjoy the interview. Hey, Brianna, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Oh, this is my pleasure. My pleasure. I'm excited to be here.
0: Awesome. So if you could just briefly introduce yourself, that would be great.
1: Sure. So I'm Brianna. I now work as a trainer at GitHub. So I work with a lot of developers, kind of teaching them how to use Git and GitHub um, in their workflow or in their hobbies. But I started off, I was a music teacher. Um, Even like six months ago, I was working in an elementary school. And taught myself JavaScript and was hoping to be a developer, but then found this position that I'm really happy with.
0: That's so awesome. And remind me again, where are you from?
1: I grew up in Kansas City, but was teaching in central Illinois, and now I'm living outside Chicago. So very Midwest, central focused.
0: (laughs) Okay, great. So you're living outside of Chicago now, that's fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far.
0: Awesome. So when did you start teaching yourself how to code? I guess
1: more when I really got serious about it was when I started teaching, which was a few, maybe two years ago. But I'd kind of been working with it for a long time. You know, Code Academy was up there when I was in college and I was working that a little bit. But even when I was in middle school, I was working on building really simple HTML pages with my friends. So I'd always had an interest, but I didn't really get serious about learning it until about two years ago.
0: Got it. So how then did you end up I guess doing teaching, or did you also have a really strong interest in that? I would imagine.
1: I did. I had a strong interest specifically in music. I started college as a vocal performance major, which is like an opera major, um, but then didn't really want to be an opera singer. It wasn't really for me, and found myself loving choir and wanting to be a choir teacher. But if any of you have any, you know, music you know, college experience. Sometimes music education, if you wanna work at a high school, there's just so many more elementary schools and there's so many more opportunities there. So I started teaching in an elementary school and had a lot of fun with that age group.
0: Oh, okay. So you initially studied music in college and then did you go back later and get uh, some kind of degree in education?
1: Oh, I I switched majors in the middle. Luckily, there was a lot of overlap with the music education and the performance classes.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Cool. So, right when you said music, I circled that because I'm taking notes as I'm writing because I think it's really interesting. Last season, there was an episode with someone. He is a software engineer at Asana, and before he decided to switch careers into software development, his background was music, and he did a bunch of stuff with like producing music and creating music. And he really had a pretty long career. In fact, in the music industry. And I'm not a musical person whatsoever, but my dad is, and he works in tech and then a few other people I can think of. Do you think there's any parallels between music and like learning how to code or, or anything to that end?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah, I think the parallels are huge. I think they range from as simple as anyone that studies an instrument or composition seriously has that really self-driven nature to them. And I think you need to have that if you're gonna learn to code. But I think even further than that, I was also in my you know, derailment of switching majors a million times while I was in school. I was a composition major for a few years. And I can think right off the top of my head of five people who I studied with who started off in music composition and now are working in tech, most of them in programming um, in some way now. So I don't, I don't know exactly what the connection is neurologically, but there's, I think there's definitely something there. It's a little creepy almost even. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I, now I'm thinking of a few key like areas that people will often transition from. I think music was one. I think also law was one, just because a lot of people who study law have very intense attention to detail, and they really like see these facts and these <laughs> patterns. And it's I guess pretty translatable. So go I, figure. Yeah, I hadn't yeah. thought about laws. It but that makes sense. And to me, of, of course, the really obvious one I think is language learning because they're both. You know, learning a programming language or learning a foreign language. I think there's definitely parallels there, which reminds me of a lot of the people. And I know uh, Free Code Camp, which I'm sure we'll start talking about in a bit. But a lot of the people in Free Code Camp who are teaching uh, overseas and teaching English overseas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. absolutely. All right. So you began teaching yourself about two years ago. You were working as a teacher at the time, teaching music, working with kids in elementary school. And about at what point did you start looking for jobs in tech? Well,
1: I loved teaching, but pretty much as soon as I started, I kind of saw that it wasn't something I wanted to do for my whole life. I wanted, I mean, I'm kind of addicted to change and the same structure for the same days, you know, for the whole time until I retired drove me nuts. So I pretty much started immediately looking into other opportunities that would work with my skill set and were things that I enjoyed. And it started off as during my lunch breaks, I would go on Code Academy. This is before Free Code Camp even was around. And it was really relaxing for me to just go through those simple exercises and kind of, you know, let my brain forget about whatever else was going on. I found it to be really, you know, kind of an escape. And as I got further into it, I started to realize how, you know, it was actually possible to teach myself what I needed to know to start applying to jobs. I thought about If I were to learn something for free online, you know, I didn't really want to pay to go back to school You know, I didn't want to stop working in the meantime. But if anybody had the tools to put all of their knowledge online for free, it'd be people that know how to make the internet, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, that's fun. I can, it's so such a creative thing to do. There's so many different roles you can play within that. So I kind of committed myself to learning JavaScript. And I started through all of Code Academy's courses. And then, like you said, Free Code Camp, you know, played a big role in it for me. And I started applying for jobs seriously about probably eight months ago over the new year break for school, just to kind of get my feet wet and see how much more I really needed to learn before I would be a viable candidate for any development positions. So I don't know, sometimes it felt like a long journey. Sometimes it feels like it was a short journey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm just so curious when you began applying to these roles, were you ever like nervous or afraid that you weren't ready or something like that?
1: I kind of assumed I wasn't ready, but at that point I wasn't even sure what else I needed to really know. So I was hoping to get some feedback. So if I got turned down, I was hoping I could get some, you know, some knowledge of what I would need to do better next time so that I could learn that more. So I threw my, you know, I threw my resume everywhere, like spaghetti at a wall. And I heard back from about half of them, you know, all knows, I got one or two technical screenings and one of them was, oh my gosh, one of the technical screenings made me feel so bad about myself (laughs) because, so I had my resume was really clear about what, you know, JavaScript and all the frameworks I knew. And I'm sure, you know, you can relate to this, looking at job postings, it feels like they just list every language. And you're not really sure if they really mean you're going to use all those languages on a day-to-day basis or not. So I was applying to ones with, you know, C sharp and whatever else on there that I really have no experience in. And so this one that I'd applied to, they knew I had no C sharp experience and I get the technical screening and it's timed online. So I didn't know what language it was going to be in beforehand and it was all in C sharp. And For me, it was so rough because if they would have asked those questions in JavaScript, I could have nailed it. But in C Sharp, I had no idea what they're looking for. So I just answered them in JavaScript and was, you know, like, here it is. You know, this is, you knew that I only know how to write JavaScript. And then I just didn't hear anything from them. So that was kind of discouraging. But all in all, that was the only, you know, one out of 20 resumes I sent out came back that way and actually made me feel worse. The rest of them were good opportunities for me to you know figure out what to focus on learning next.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely great that you have that mindset about you know, It's a learning opportunity and just taking it sort of as it comes. And I think for now, what you said you applied to 20 different openings and you heard back from about half?
1: Yeah, something like that. And it took a while to hear back from a lot of them.
0: Yeah, I still think that's good though. I mean, especially for someone new coming on the scene. I don't know what the um the percentages are off the top of my head. But I'm pretty sure if you, it's kind of like the job application funnel. Like if you apply to 20 jobs and you get a phone screen, I think it may be at like one. Of course, it varies based on industry. That's a pretty good rate, I think. So it sounds like, you know, you're definitely having success even, you know, early on. And even if you felt a little um, underqualified, I guess I could say for some of the, for some of the positions. Now, looking back on when you began applying to jobs. Do you wish you began applying sooner or do you think it was about the right time for you or how do you think about that?
1: For me, it was the right time. I think if, I mean, a lot of it for me lined up with the fact that I was on break from teaching. So I really tried to treat it like a full-time job. And I used this app called Rescue Time to see how many hours a day I was putting in on it and tried to focus at least six hours a day just on either working on my portfolio and improving it, researching jobs or applying. So that I think had more to do with why the timing worked for me rather than how prepared I was. I think my actual skills There's such a huge range of how prepared you can be, you know, to Mm -hmm. even consider yourself prepared. For me, I was mentally and emotionally ready
0: (laughs) yeah. (laughs) yeah. move on. No, because I, I speak to a lot of people, and for the most part, I think people wait too long to start applying for jobs. And then, of course, there's some people who will start applying maybe after only learning for a month, or it sounds like you applied at the right time. I think that's something that a lot of people can be really hesitant or you know, nervous about is when they start applying to different positions.
1: Right, right. I think the timing was a little bit easier for me to figure out because I knew I had a little bit of a deadline with the next school year. I wanted to start applying in December and January so that by June, when the school year was over, I would have a concrete idea of what was going on before I had to commit to teaching the next year.
0: Sit tight podcast listeners, we're taking a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Flatiron School's online web developer program, free and certificate courses, and free bootcamp prep courses are perfect for anyone interested in a career change and becoming a developer. Flatiron students include those from a range of backgrounds, from financial to creative. What they all have in common is the passion, grit, and determination to learn to love to code. Flatiron's rigorous 800-plus hour curriculum will teach you the skills you need to land a fulfilling career as a developer. Learn to Code With Me listeners can get an awesome $500 off their first month to get started on that career change. Just visit flatironbootcampprep.com. One student, an online career change student, said he'd learned more in a couple of days with Flatiron than a year of computer science classes. If you're interested in learning how to think like a real developer while using the tools actual developers use, check out Flatiron's online web developer program at flatironbootcampprep.com and claim your $500 discount. Okay, so then when did you start learning with FreeCodeCamp? you know, I don't
1: remember exactly the date, you know, when I started, but I know while I was using Code Academy, I had kind of committed to keeping myself motivated with Twitter. So I was like tweeting every day as I was coding. And if I remember right, I think Quincy, the founder of Free Code Camp, tweeted at me saying, hey, you should check out Free Code Camp. And since it was, you know, I'd seen that they were around, but after that tweet, I thought about it more seriously. and was like, okay, I'll look into this. And I did, I ended up really enjoying it. And I also had the unique opportunity to be a part of that community at a time where they were still really, really thirsty for contributors, which I think, you know, a lot of open source communities are. And it worked out that my skill set of teaching, you know, after I went through their JavaScript challenges and their, um, you know, their algorithm challenges, I was able to make some short video segments that just kind of went over basic computer science things. And give those back and upload them, you know, to their site while I was still learning and using their other resources as a student.
0: Yes, I was going to mention that about how you on the Free Code Camp YouTube channel, a lot of the material on there is, in fact, you or you're teaching it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's still kind of weird to me to think, you know, how it all happened so quickly. But yeah, there's a lot of, you know, if you're interested in some basic computer science and JavaScript concepts, like short videos of me in my living room talking about them.
0: <laughs> no, they're very good. And It's so clear, because I, I remember watching them, that you are a teacher, that you're an instructor, that it's just like natural to you to be in front of a group of people and explaining concepts, uh, which is definitely, you know a great gift to have. And I think this is a perfect segue into your new role at GitHub as a trainer.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is a great segue. And that's luckily how it worked in the job searching process, too. You know, it started off as a contribution that I didn't really expect to get anything from directly it turned out to make my resume so much stronger for this position, because what I do now is, like you said, I'm in front of people teaching them concepts about Git and GitHub that when I saw the, um, the job description for the GitHub trainer, it was almost like somebody pinched me. These are my weird, this is my weird list of skills that never combine in any other resume. It has the technical side, but also the instructional side. And so I, you know, threw my stuff at them, through my resume, my, all the links to the YouTube videos up for free code camp and was like, Hey, if this is really what you're asking for, then we should talk because this sounds like me. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's so, yeah, that's so wild. And I have a feeling I know the answer, but before you saw that job listing, did you even consider any kind of like instructional uh, trainer kind of role in technology?
1: No, no, I hadn't at all. I knew that um, I would maybe like eventually to work more with people than with code all day. Mm -hmm. But I had this mindset and I don't know if it's based in any fact or not, but maybe it's just a woman in tech or a young woman in tech. I felt like I wanted to go in there and prove myself really with uh, the hard coding skills and kind of, you know, like show that my skills are up to snuff in that department so that any other roles I had afterwards, I would have, I don't know what's what the right word is, but they, I would be respected technically also. And like I said, I don't know if that's based in, you know, just imposter syndrome or if that's based in, you know, something that I've experienced, I've forgotten, but I was really only applying to just development jobs before this one. I didn't think it would even exist, something like this. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, you know, I had a recent, or maybe it wasn't really that recent now, but a similar, I don't even know, evolution or realization, I guess you could say, as you did, where initially I thought I wanted to be, you know, a web developer, software engineer. And then as time went on, I was like, wait, but I don't know if I really would want to write code all day and because I like all these other things. I like writing, I like connecting with people, I like doing this, I like doing that. And uh, initially my feeling inside too was kind of like, oh crap, like I wish I didn't feel this way because you know I've wanted to be web developer now for you know, over a year, I don't wanna change paths. And I felt, I guess, similar in the sense, I was like, oh, I wanna prove I can do it. Yeah, so I feel like there's definitely others out there if, if both of us kind of went through a similar experience that there has to be other people feeling similar.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, and I think there's a misconception that there's so many more jobs that are only coding all day Whereas, you know, most of the developers I know, whether they're web developers or the engineers on the services team that I work on, well, yeah, there's, you know, definitely a lot of code, but so much of it is working with people too, that that gets kind of, people don't see that as how much of their day it really is. And I don't know, I just think there's a lot more jobs that are a mix of skills than than people realize.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we were chatting before, and if you're listening to the show, in case you don't know, I started a full-time job back in uh, July. And one of the things that, and of course, on this, it makes total sense to me. I just never really thought about it, I guess. But there, you know, at the company, it's, it's small. There's a few teams and there's the engineering team and there's a customer service team. And right now there's only a few customer service people and you know, only like a handful of engineers. And there's a lot of back and forth between those two teams whenever, you know, if there's something's wrong with a person's site and there's a bug and trying to resolve it. And, you know, it's definitely not them here either. It's they're not just writing code, they're interacting with the other people on the different teams and doing a bunch of different stuff. Yes, very good point. So when did you start working then at GitHub?
1: I started in mid-March. So as you, you might remember, I thought that I was going to continue the school year all the way through the beginning of June. And I really would have um was not planning on taking other any job before the school year was over because, you know, as a, of course, as a teacher, I didn't want to leave my students at the end of the year. Even though I was a music teacher, I wasn't anyone's main classroom teacher. I was just kind of the extra special teacher. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when GitHub, when GitHub called and I got an interview there, it was like, you know, this is the kind of choice that you don't get to make very often. And I would not be able to live with myself if I passed it up.
0: You know, if you don't mind, could we talk a little bit about the interview process and just like maybe how long it take and what you went through, because I know a lot of people are super curious just in general about interviewing like for tech jobs.
1: Sure. Um, so for GitHub and I, I don't know if this is reflective of how other tech companies do hiring or even if my own was reflective of what other people experience at GitHub, but I sent my resume in and heard back from someone that, okay, you know, they'd like to schedule a short, you know, like a 30 minute call, uh, video call. And so I called with someone who was another GitHub trainer at the time. And it was really just like a quick chat, kind of get to know, you know, general style of how you talk, answer a few basic questions. And from there, it moved on to some more technical questions, which for a trainer, those technical questions looked a lot more like what we would answer in class. Like what's the difference between a branch and a fork mm-hmm. or something like that. And so I answered those, but when I was answering them, I was thinking about how to write them out. And, you know, since we'd, I'd made so many of those short YouTube videos, the questions lent themselves to that really easily. So I answered each of their questions with a short kind of two-minute video that I made in my living room. And I'll never forget, as I was filming them, like my dog and cat, so I love, I love my pets, were... <laughs> you know, bouncing around the house. And I'm sure the floor was like squeaking from the dog. And I was like, oh my God, they're going to think I'm so weird sending them (laughs) these videos of me in my living room. But it was like, once I thought of it, I couldn't not do it. They're either going to love it or they're going to hate it. And luckily they really liked it. So I was supposed to do another call with them where I taught a class for 30 minutes and then had a video interview with four or five people for 30 minutes. But since I'd done the short videos... They said, okay, we already saw you teaching it on camera, so let's move to the next step. So then it was just more kind of phone calls with my who my manager was going to be. And then they invited me out to San Francisco for an on-site interview, which was like unreal, was the coolest thing. Because here I am going in to teach elementary school, like my old job. And then I'm like, holy cow, I'm going to get
0: up. <laughs> yeah, um, <that's> awesome. <laughs>
1: it was really cool. And the interviews there were at that point, honestly, they didn't focus on anything too technical. They, at that point, I mean, they had my GitHub uh, profile. They could see all the YouTube videos. I tried to make all of my technical knowledge really easy to find if they were mm-hmm. looking for it. So it was a lot. It was like five 30 minute interviews with two people each, just back to back to back. And it was so much more focused on, you know, more, I guess you say the soft skills, like, who are you really? You know, how do you interact with people? What are your, you know, what are your values? That type of thing. Uh, just to see if we'd be a fit on a team. And it was a little stressful because there were so many people, you know, there was no opportunity to really get feedback, but you know, it went, I guess it went well enough because you know, they, they offered me a job there, which I still am. So, you know, Still feel like I'm living an awesome dream.
0: Oh, that's so great. Yeah, I, I love that. It kind of went that way and you shared that because I think it's so important. People get so caught up in the technical interview. And I always say, okay, if you answer like a couple of technical questions, I guess it depends on how many you're asked, but a few things wrong, I think that's so much better than just not fitting in like culturally. So having that cultural fit and getting along with the people you're going to be working with is so important. And it definitely seems like at GitHub, it's important to them as well, since that's how all of your on-site interviews went. Well, and I think from
1: my understanding for, you know, even if the more technical concepts, you know, because I told them like, there's a couple of things like I was not sure what get cherry picking was at the time. And obviously as a trainer, I need to know that, but they seemed really open to pairing and I would just encourage people if they're nervous about the technical part of an interview if there's any opportunity to do pairing with somebody that works there you have an opportunity to like show them your tech chops while still getting to know them and it'll be a more accurate representation rather than you know that traumatizing whiteboard code where you just feel like everybody's scrutinizing you
0: yeah right the the like causing people nightmares right right the Uh the whiteboard interview or um so yeah, that's that's a good tip. Thanks for sharing that. So asking to be paired and we write that down. Make sure we have that in the show notes for this episode. That's yeah, great tip there. So okay, so you're in San Francisco, you interview with, uh, you know, several different people at the company, and then they make you an offer. And how soon did you start then?
1: Man, I think it took a few weeks, I think it was maybe like, the interview was something like the ninth and I started on the fourteenth. So actually, it was a pretty quick turnaround. Um, I don't know if that's always the case, but I was so enthusiastic. I was so ready to go. I was like, let me start as soon as I can. I want to (laughs) start.
0: Oh, that's so great. Yeah. And also, I think, I guess this could also be a factor because we didn't mention this yet, but you do work remotely. Yes. So it wasn't like you had to relocate to San Francisco, which... I think would definitely add some time on you know to the when you could start date oh yeah absolutely that is another thing i know so many listeners are really into is the idea of working remotely but it sounds like for the other jobs you were applying to before like the more developer jobs were any of those remote or most of them in person
1: i think most of the ones i were i was applying to before were in person i'd read somewhere i don't remember where it was that you know your first tech position should be in person and that people have had better experiences that way. So I was kind of leaning that direction, Um, but I'm enjoying working from home. I think, you know, I definitely wanted to move this direction later in my career and I got lucky to do it earlier, but it is an adjustment from working at the office. I say it's about 80% awesome and 20% an adjustment. (laughs) Uh,
0: So correct me if I'm wrong, but do you get to travel at all for this role? So we expect to travel about 50% of the
1: time. Uh, sometimes that's when we go on, when we go off. But most of the time as trainers, we're going out to companies and I get to teach developers how to use Git and GitHub, which is super fun for me. Um, but sometimes we're also doing things like a hack house as a team so we
0: can work on some
1: other projects.
0: Uh, in general, though, I really, I'm really i enjoying the balance of travel and working from home. Cool, cool. So I want to wrap things up and I want to just end... Uh with a pretty general question. So for other people out there right now listening and starting to teach themselves how to code and they wanna eventually transition into tech, is there any kind of advice that you would give them to help them make that transition?
1: I would tell them to find out what it is that really is motivating you to change and to focus on that in as positive way as possible. You know, So for me, that was the job that I had. I loved it a lot, but I would kind of focus on the negatives in order to flip it to a positive. So it would be, you know, instead of feeling bad about this, I'm going to put that energy into working even harder today on this algorithm that I don't know how to solve or something. And for me, that was motivating. So whatever it is that's motivating you to change, you know, and to learn, make that, make that an actionable feeling and do something with it.
0: Awesome. And lastly, lastly, where can people find you online?
1: Awesome. So on GitHub, I'm github.com slash Brianna Marie. And on Twitter, I'm Brianna Marie 132. And I'm, you know, tweet at me. Uh, I'm the easiest way to get in touch. I love tweeting at people.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Brianna. Thank you. Laurence. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Again, the show notes for this episode plus a full transcript can be found at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head on over to my website, learntocodewith.me, where you can find even more awesome code-related content. Like my 10 free tips for teaching yourself how to code. Thanks so much for tuning into the first full episode in season two. I'll see you next week.